Trinity Baptist Church. Reading from the book of Proverbs. Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding, for she's more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. The word of the Lord. As most of you know, this has been a summer to remember for our family. Um, Or maybe, I should say, a summer we will never forget. We had, in June, we had three graduations in the span of 11 days. Two weeks ago yesterday, I gave my daughter's hand away in marriage. And yes, I'm doing okay. (laughs) And tomorrow, we put our twins, uh, we send our twins off to college. And um, they are... They're both going to the University of North Carolina as Robertson Scholars. Now, um, if you want to know what that means, you can come talk to me later, but it's awesome. And I am so proud of you guys. I think you're awesome, and it's going to be harder saying goodbye to you than it was giving Hannah away. So, um, I love you. Thanks, Beth, for um, teaching a couple of weeks ago on confession. I listened to the podcast. You did a great job. I hope you guys were blessed by that. Um, and thanks, thanks to James for handling the duties last week on, on planning. Um, he's at an a Alpha Holy Spirit retreat this weekend, so um, thank you, James, for that. For the, for the past couple of months, we've been, we've been looking at words to live by uh, through, from the, the book of Proverbs mining the truths of the scriptures around certain themes or topics which will make our lives better, make our relationships better, make um, others' lives better. And this morning, we are going to look at the word tact. Now, probably all of us have a cultural understanding of tact. We, we We think we know what it is. But let me, let me read to you how the American Heritage Dictionary defines tact so that we're on the same page with what we're talking about this morning. It says, tact is the ability to do or say the kindest or most fitting thing in a given situation. Let me say that again. The ability to do or say the kindest or most fitting thing in a given situation. You see, having tact is not simply not being tacky. (laughs) Having tact means that, that you 
do or, or say something that is kind and, and fitting to the situation that you're in. Now this morning, we're going to focus on the saying aspect of tact because the book of Proverbs has a lot to tell us with regard to how we use our words and how we, um, how we communicate. As I mentioned earlier, two weeks ago, my daughter got married, and, and three days later, Deanne and the twins and I went on a cruise with my mother-in-law, my brother-in-law, and my niece. And it was a, it was a great time. It was a, you know, just kind of a time to exhale and, and kind of regroup as a family. And, and I'd never been on a cruise before. And so it was a great time. I really enjoyed it. But if you've been on a cruise, you know that, that generally at dinner they seat you with other people. And so here's the seven of us, and we're seated with this, this um, family, a, a couple with two college-age kids and, and boys, and we're getting to know them, and they're getting to know us. And in the course of the conversation, the woman looks at me and then looks at my brother-in-law, Paul, who's about five years younger than I am, and then she looks back at me and she says, are you his father? Now, I know it's been a stressful summer, but it, it hasn't had that much impact on me, has it? So we all kind of laugh about it, you know, but in the back of my mind, those words are sticking with me. Okay, so two days later, I kid you not. Two days later, we go to have a family picture taken, you know, one of those cruise family pictures. You got grandma and you got the three grandkids and, and Dee and, and my brother-in-law and me. And so the, the photographer is arranging everybody and says, okay, I want the three grandkids right here. And grandma, you get here. And grandpa, you get there. <laughs> Come on! So, I'm feeling a little insecure this morning. My daughter got married, my twins are going to college, and apparently, I'm old enough to have a 49-year-old son. We've all had people say things to us, either good or bad, that just stick with us and impact us. I'll never forget my high school English teacher, Miss Jenkins, telling me that I was a really good writer. Now, whether that was true or not, I don't know. But what it did do is it gave me the confidence to explore my writing gifts. I'll never forget a college professor pulling me aside after I had facilitated a, a class discussion 
and telling me that I was a good teacher and that I ought to consider doing that as a profession. Uh, I don't remember his name, but I remember his words. People say things to us that, that impact us, that stick with us. And, and what we need to understand is that the words that we say to one another have incredible power in one another's lives. So it shouldn't surprise us that the scriptures have a lot to say about this. This morning, as we look at these scriptures around the, the idea of tact, I want us to just to understand or, or maybe come to realize that, that how we speak to our friends, how we speak in our workplaces, how the words that we use in our lives may need some adjusting. And so let's look at what the Proverbs have to say. If you have your Bibles, turn to Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10 is chocked full with words to live by regarding how we use our tongue. And I'm just going to read through these. And then we'll come back and, and talk about them in a little bit. Proverbs chapter 10, we'll start in verse 6. Blessings crown the head of the righteous, but violence overwhelms the mouth of the wicked. Verse 8. The wise in heart accept commands, but a chattering fool comes to ruin. Verse 10, whoever winks maliciously causes grief, and a chattering fool comes to ruin. Verse 11, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Verse 14, the wise store up Knowledge, but the mouth of the fool invites ruin. Verse 19. When words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. And there's another uh, verse in, in uh, Proverbs 17 that, that says, even a fool is thought wise if he holds his tongue. Verse 20. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. I love that. But the heart of the wicked is of little value. 21. The lips of the righteous nourish many, but fools die for lack of judgment. And skip down to verse 31. From the mouth of the righteous comes the fruit of wisdom, but a perverse tongue will be silenced. And then here's the key, verse 32. The lips of the righteous know what is, what's the word? Fitting. The lips of the righteous know what is tactful. They know what is kind. They know what, what is fitting. But the mouth of the wicked, only what is perverse. I love the imagery. 
You've got wickedness and righteousness, and, then, and you've got the wise and the fool. And it's all revol- revolving around how we use our, our lips, our tongue, our mouth. It's about how we use our words. And if you're, if you're wise, then what comes from your mouth is, is fitting. It's, it's tactful. It's wisdom. If you're righteous... What comes from your mouth is life, is nourishment. It's choice sil- silver, it's valuable. What comes from the, the mouth of the righteous is, is kind, is fitting, is tactful. Now, turn over a page or two, I don't know in your Bible, to chapter 12, verse 18. says, reckless words pierce like a sword. Ever known somebody like that? You look like you're like 75 years old. (laughs) Someone who's just careless and reckless with their words, and they're just skewering people all over the place. Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. What what the scriptures are telling us is that our words can actually bring healing into another person's life. Turn over a few pages to chapter 18, verse 21. The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. That sounds incredible, but it's true. Words have the power to give life to our souls, to, to bring encouragement and challenge and vision and inspiration. But they can also rip our hearts out. Words used wisely, words used fittingly, words that are tactful can bring life and nourishment and healing to other people. But when we use words foolishly, they can be like a sword that cause great pain. I want to dig into a few of these Proverbs for a few minutes to really get what they're saying. Proverbs 10, 11 says that the, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. And, and Proverbs 18, 21 says that the tongue has the power of life and death. Do you hear what the scriptures are saying with, with regard to how powerful our words are? God has entrusted us with this instrument that can bring life. If we want to fully appreciate that, we we need to go back to the beginning. So turn to Genesis chapter 1. And if if you're not used to reading the scriptures, this is where it all starts. This is the very beginning of of the narrative of God, the story of God, where he um, tells us who he is and what life is all about. And so this is a great place to start. And and it's very important. Genesis 1 says this, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. 
And then verse 3. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. Verse 6. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made a vault that separated the water under and the vault from the water above it. And it was so. God called the vault sky, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. Verse 9, and God said, let there be water under the sky. Let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let dry ground appear. And it was so. Verse 11, then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and trees on the land that bear fruit, and seed in it according to their various kinds. And it was so. You read the whole creation narrative and you have this refrain, God said, and it was so. God created the whole universe with his what? Words. With his words. What I find interesting is that very few people talk about the fact that God created the universe with his words. And here's the thing. As humanity, we are the only thing that God created in his image. And we are the only thing on the planet, the only creatures on the planet with the capacity for words. He gave us this ability that sets us apart from other creatures, this ability to speak, something, something that is so complex, they can't even create a phone that understands me. Just this week, my son, who I love dearly and is going to college, was busting my chops about how I speak into my phone. Because I speak very slowly with punctuation. And I do that now because when I first got Siri and I was trying to talk to Siri, Siri never understood me. In fact, half the time she would come back and say, do you want me to translate? No, it's English. God entrusted us with the power of, of words and of speech. And if he knew he was going to entrust us with this, don't you think he would set the stage for that so that we would understand just how powerful our words can be? That's what he does in the very first chapter of the Bible. He says, this is how powerful your words are. Your words have the power of life. Your words have the power of creation. And so you need to steward them well. I don't know about you, but I think our culture has lost sight of how incredibly powerful our words can be in each other's lives. Think about what our culture says. Our culture says that 90% of communication is what? Come on. Say it again. 90% of communication is nonverbal. 
Yeah, I don't think so. If, if that's true, then if 90% of our communication is nonverbal, I get into a whole lot of trouble with just 10%. Right? I mean, I, get in, I cause a lot of pain with just 10%. Because while people say, you know, well, it's gestures, it's body language, it's all that stuff, I've never seen a relationship go south because of somebody's body language. I, I don't cause pain in other people's lives because of my gestures. I do it because of my words. A few months ago, I was having a conversation with somebody that, um, that I, I, wanted, I really wanted to encourage this person. I, I wanted to affirm them in, in the things that they were doing well, but, but there were a couple of things that I, I wanted to challenge them on. I felt like they needed to be challenged on. And so we're having this conversation, and we've been talking for about 45 minutes, and I thought I'd done a, a pretty good job of encouraging them and building them up. And, and then I tried to, you know, to move into that, that challenging part of the conversation. And clearly, I didn't choose my words very well because it was like I threw a hand grenade into this person's soul. In that moment, my words had the power of life and death, and I brought death. Because I didn't, I didn't speak tactfully to this person. I didn't say what was kind and fitting to this person. Maybe what I said was true, but, but it, it was how I said it that just threw a hand grenade. One of the verses of Scripture that haunts me is Ephesians 4.29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only that which is helpful for building others up according to their needs so that it may benefit those who listen. Wow. That's, that's tough stuff. You see, what Paul is saying, what the Proverbs are saying, is that we need to speak fittingly to one another. It's not that sometimes I don't, I may have some hard things to say to you. I may have some things that, that are going to challenge you and, and, and stretch you. But there's got to be a way for me to say them that is constructive, not destructive. There's got to be a way for me to speak fittingly into your life so that you are built up and not destroyed. And what I did in that conversation was I just I threw a hand grenade. And all the words of encouragement that I had tried to communicate were just lost in that moment because the challenging words that I wanted to say, um, I didn't say them well. I didn't take the time to really think through, okay, what, what kind of impact is this going to have? Some, some of you, probably most of you know that, that Deanne and I um, were infertile 
early in our marriage. And for three and a half years, we rode the, the infertility roller coaster. And during that, that time, we had a number of friends who, who got pregnant because it was that season of life, you know. And a number of those friends would call us or they would see us at church or somewhere and they would, they would say, oh, we've got great news, we're pregnant. And we would say, great. <laughs> I mean, they had great news. But what they were communicating to us and how they were communicating it to us was not kind and not fitting. But we had another couple, some really dear friends, who lived about an hour and a half away from us. And they called us up one day and said, um, hey, we've got something to tell you. Um, can we come over? Dude, you live like 90 miles from here. You know, and I, I'm not always the, the brightest bulb in the candle or in the light in the chandelier or however that thing goes. <laughs> See, I just, I just affirm that statement. Um, so... You know, I'm going, well, yeah, if you want to, you know, drive, why don't, you could just tell us on the phone, but if you want to, come on, come on over. So as soon as we hung up, Deanne, who is much sharper than I, said, they're pregnant. And so now we had like two hours, just the two of us, just to kind of wrap our hearts and minds around what, what we knew was going to be the news. And sure enough, when, when they showed up, on our doorstep, um, they were pregnant, and we could genuinely be excited with them. You know why? Because they had communicated it in a way that was fitting, that was kind, that was like choice silver to us. It was tactful, and it brought life to our souls. We could, we could rejoice with them and, and we could celebrate with them and it didn't pain us. You see, sometimes it's not even what you say, but it's how you say it that makes a difference in people's lives, that, that brings life or it, or it brings death. So if you want to tell me after the service that I'm 35, that I look 35, that'd be great. Um, have you ever been in a moment in your life when someone said something to you, good or bad, and it just crushed you? It was like a, a sword piercing your soul. The wisdom of Proverbs, the wisdom of Paul's words to the Ephesians is, choose your words carefully. Don't be reckless. Don't be careless. Invest the time and the energy to figure out a way that you can be constructive with your words, not destructive. So that you can be edifying and life-giving. 
Have you ever been in a moment in your life where someone pulled you aside and spoke words that, that just erupted life in you? I had a youth pastor when I was a senior in high school. His name was Delray Gwines. And, and Del actually came on staff at the church um, when I was entering my senior year. So I didn't know him well. I didn't have much of a history with him. And, and one day I was hanging with him and some other guys in the youth group, and we were just messing around. And I'd known Del at this point for probably six months. And in the context of just hanging out, Dell pulled me aside and he said, Keith, God has gifted you and he's going to do some special things through your life. And then he just went back to messing with the other guys. And I, I just, wow. And, and in that moment, life just erupted in my soul. And I've had the privilege over the years to see God do some amazing things in other people through me. And I've been able to step back and, and, and Delray's words just come back to me. Because he, he spoke confidence and courage into me at that moment. We've bought into something that just isn't true, that 90% of communication is nonverbal. Um, our words are extremely important. And if we are going to live wisely, if we are going to be good stewards of our words, we need to be very intentional about what we say and how we say it. How we speak into each other's lives. We should be so tactful, so kind, so fitting, that people will never forget um, the things that we say to them for good reasons. Because, because our mouth was a fountain of life to them. Our words brought life to them. They didn't pierce them. They weren't a force of death. When you look at Genesis 1, and you realize that, that God gifted us with the power of speech, you have to understand that, that your Words have the ability to create worlds of life and beauty and healing and, and nourishment in other people. What a great opportunity. Yes? What a great opportunity. What a great privilege God has given us. And yet, do we steward that well? If you're not convinced just yet of the truth of Proverbs 18, that our tongue has the power of of life and death, or of Proverbs 10, that, that the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, or of Proverbs 12, that our words can be, bring healing, then I just want to direct you to a scene in the life of Jesus. And we're all familiar with this scene. This, this scene is in John chapter 11. Jesus is, is traveling, and word comes to him that his friend Lazarus is sick. And the text in, in John chapter 11 says, 
says that um, yet when he heard Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. He didn't immediately go. But, but then after these two days, he, decided, he tells the disciples, he says, okay, guys, let's go back to Judea and, and we'll go check on Lazarus. And, and so they go. But as they're traveling, word comes to, to Jesus that, um, that Lazarus has died. And so Jesus goes, and, and, and as he's approaching Bethany, which is where Lazarus lived, Lazarus' sister Martha comes out and, and says, Jesus, you're too late. You're too late. Um, Lazarus has been dead for four days now. If you had only been here sooner, he wouldn't have died. You, you could have done something about it. Jesus kind of speaks with Martha for for a few minutes, and and then he cries. But then he goes to the tomb, and he tells the guys, roll the stone away. And and Martha protests. She says, but Jesus, it's going to reek in there. I mean, he's he's been in there for four days. It's not going to be pretty. And Jesus says, no, roll roll the stone away. And they roll the stone away, and Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus comes out of the tomb. A dead man is brought back to life because of words. He, Jesus, did this with the same vehicle that God used to to create the universe. He did it with the same thing that God has entrusted to us. The way that we use language is either creating life or it's causing death. In our relationships, in our marriages, in our workplaces... This, this is an incredible responsibility. Not just that we're not reckless with our words, not just that we're not tacky, but that we utilize our words to bless and inspire others. We have the opportunity to help bring fullness into the lives of other people by what we say to them and how we say it. Our words can actually create an incredible amount of life in the people around us if we use tact. So that's the invitation for us this morning. Um, This week, I want you to think through the people in your life. I want you to think through them. Who, who, Who do I interact with? My family, my, my co-workers, my friends, my neighbors down the hall, my, the, the doorman in our building. The, you know, who do I interact with? And ask yourself, how are my words bringing life to them? How are my words utilizing the power of creation, the power of resurrection, the power of 
of life and death to positively impact the lives around us. You see, in God's economy, that's what tact is. Let me pray for us. Lord, help me not to be a chattering fool. Help me not to bring ruin into my own life and into the lives of others by the things that I say and the ways that I say them. Lord, I have a long way to go in this arena. And so I pray that you would give me a sensitivity that as the, the counsel of the Proverbs is that, um, that the wise use less words, I pray that I would be slow to speak, that I would be more intentional, more careful with the words that I speak. And Lord, I pray that for us as a congregation, I pray that we would, that our mouths would, would be tools of blessing. They would be, be tools uh, that give life and, and create beauty in other people's lives. And I pray, Lord, that, that we, would, we would be really thoughtful in how we communicate with one another so that that those words that stick with them of things that we have said will be words of life, not words of death. And Lord, as we come to the table this morning, we are so grateful that, that your words from the cross were so life-giving in that you said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Lord, we thank you that in the cross we find forgiveness. We thank you that in your body being broken and your blood being shed, we, we have life and freedom and, and empowerment then to, to be carriers of your love and compassion. And we do that with our words. So, Lord, as we come to the table this morning, I pray that, that you would give us... Um, comfort and, and encouragement in what you've done to, to reconcile us to yourself. And then, Lord, let that be uh, an inspiration, uh, um, an enabling of us to go out and, and be your light. For your name's sake, amen.